Pardon me. Do you have any gray poupon? <laughs> Oh, welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Durant, nice. live from the Kintech Studio. Track. 650, 650 nice is the Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Um, I said, oh boy, off the top of the show, and I was right. It's been an oh boy type of show. Pardon me. Do you have any great poopa? <laughs> can we can we get some can we get some Al Pacino hoo-ha? Can we get some Al Pacino sentable woman? You know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah, right? of course. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. That by the way is the all-time best slow clap at the end of a film. Oh. I thought you were going to say the best uh, scenery chewing. It's certainly up there. Uh, I mean, it's actually not yeah, that no, good. Of a movie. There's a lot No, but I mean and just in terms of the overacting. And it's also not that good a performance. Although it is the performance no, it's for scenery which, chewing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like he won the Oscar for that, but it was really one of those career achievement ones, just like when Scorsese won yes. it for The Departed. Uh, Hoo-ah! Hoo-ah! Poopa! There's Rick Dollywell right there. Hoo-ah! I love it. Uh, you can go check out The Crossover on YouTube, the full edition of The Crossover on Sportsnet's YouTube channel. <laughs> take, take a Xanax before you tune in. Yeah, exactly. Set the mood. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe take some milk thistle or whatever it's called. Calm yourself down. What? What? Some? What? It's like a naturopathic thing. You take it; it calms you down. Sick reference, bro. Maybe some uh, ashwagandha. Dom's a big naturopath over there. I didn't no, realize that. Aaron Rodgers up yeah. in there with his yeah, Jets yeah. gear. Yeah, well, some magnesium, <laughs> some some ayahuasca. As soon as Aaron Rodgers joined the Jets, Tom was like, "I'm going to do some research on this stuff." Listen to uh, some dolphins mating. This, this guy has some fascinating ideas. <laughs> Listen to some dolphins mating. Sorry, we can't let that pass without comment. That's a Rodgers thing. It's a Rodgers thing. What he, he said that that no, you him. don't know. I didn't. That's know that. one of the, the uh, like alternative therapy processes or rehab processes he's done to help speed his recovery. You listen to the sound of dolphins mating. Yeah. And it helps. He had to. He recovery. had to throw in something alternative because, like, really, what he did was go to the go foremost to like the best medical professional, in the world. and he's like, "But, but also dolphins mating." Yeah, that so was like, the. That's what really did it. Hoo-ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we'll do it late, as promised. Here it is: the whiteboard. Hoo-ha! All right, now, fellas, hey, let's focus up, huh? Uh, it is your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks here for December 13th. And oh what's boy. up? We'll start with the headlines. Oh, boy, is right. Because the Canucks have won three in a row. They beat the Lightning 4-1. And as we said earlier in the show, one of their more impressive performances in quite some time, really. And you string it together after the Carolina win. And that's two really, really strong performances uh, in a row for the Canucks. And, and again, I think, you know, Meeting this kind of, I don't want to get you started on the leading after two periods thing, but just the idea of the identity of this team being slowly built around the idea that they can, you know, the, 
say say what you want about the Tampa Bay Lightning and their struggles this year. They've been scoring goals, right? And the Canucks are able to hold them to one last night. And, you know, maybe they should have got another one in the power play. But in general, the takeaway for me was a strong defensive performance in that game for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, and I think that's become this team's M.O. You know, like I'm yeah. far more confident, actually, in their defensive play than I am in their offensive play. Which is wild, given the makeup of this team and their struggles on the PK. But I, I still think the special teams thing, right? The fact that this team's so much more reliant on the power play, or so much better on the power play than they are shorthanded. Although their shorthanded play was excellent against Tampa Bay, I think it's I think it's like tricked people into thinking this is still the team, the run and gun team that we've seen in the past. And and they've had the goal results, but I really think this team's legit defensively. And is likely to, as the sample expands, as we get to 82 games, um, you know, like between now and the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if this team was just like average or slightly above in terms of goals scored, especially at five on five. Power play is still going to be lights out because they're amazing. But the five on five goals, that part I'm like uh, iffy about. Their ability to defend, I think, has been standout. And look, it's going to need to be. Four four goals allowed in three games on this homestand, but you've got this Florida team coming in, and that's going to be just a tremendous test. Matt, Matthew Kachuk's been quiet for Florida. We'll get into more uh-huh. of this tomorrow. Like He's basically been scoring like a fourth liner, five on five, but, but we know what he can do. We know that's not who he is. The Barkov versus JT Miller matchup that we're going to see at Rogers Arena tomorrow is going to be fascinating. Local like, product cannot wait. Local product Sam Reinhart having a fantastic Crushing fantastic it. season Caring. in Florida. Yep. Um and and Barkov's at the absolute apex of his powers right now. Like this has been marvelous stuff from him. That's going to be a that's going to be a huge test for the Canucks. Panthers got shut out uh in Seattle last night. My Seattle stock doing better than your Vegas stock today that's, by the that's way. That's a dead cat bounce right there. Calgary stock you mean, but What did I say? Vegas. Oh, they lost to Vegas. Yeah. No, I know. Um, I think I was willing to sell faster than you were on Seattle. But uh, anyways, the other headline for me from that game last night, Brock Besser, of course, with the hat trick, capping it off with the empty netter late, now at 21 goals on the season. And it just continues a dream year for Brock Besser. And I was thinking about even if you were to remove, because they played 29 games, right? So even if you were to remove last night's hat trick, and the four goal performance from the start of the year. Even in the 27 goals in the middle or 27 games in the middle, he still has 14 goals, which is like a 40 goal pace, you know what I mean? He's still over a 40 goal pace even if you cut off his two best games of the year where he's racked up seven goals. So he's he's had those outbursts, he's been really consistent as well. It's great to see he's found that chemistry with JT Miller uh, and on the first power play unit as well. And you know, I brought this up a little bit and I don't want to dwell on it too much here because I think right now, you know, we should still just be in the mode of appreciating what Brock Besser is doing for this team in the here and now, but I do think it's all of a sudden we're in a very interesting spot with the conversation of where things go with Brock Besser, because he's going to be eligible for an extension on July 1st, and this team, you know, I we had somebody text in, like, could he be that kind of star winger that this team really needs? I don't. I still don't view him quite that way. I think he's a really good complementary top six player, but I do think it's, it's creating a situation where you know, it wasn't that long ago where it looked like either by trade or departing in free agency that you could see the end of the of Brock Besser's time 
in Vancouver on the horizon. And I think his performance now is making that a much more difficult or complicated conversation, at least difficult in, in a good sense, because it's, oh, holy cow, we have a we have a good problem on our hands here with this player playing so well. I, I think you have to like one thing I would strongly imp- opine, I guess, is, you know, right now the Canucks have. Sam Lafferty with five goals in his last 11 games, okay? Ilya Mikheyev producing regularly on the on the top line. You have Niels Hoaglander elevated to the Miller line going off. Mm-hmm. You have Brock Besser, you know, Brock Besser with renewed opportunity both on the first power play unit and stapled to, to Miller in the top six and, and in a matchup role, and this is to take nothing away from him, really capitalizing off that opportunity. The two wingers you have struggling at the moment, one of them's on the fourth line, one of them's on the third line. Well, what was the story with Besser last season? Stapled to, the, to Sheldon Dries on the third line. Rick, uh, Rick Dollywell brought it up during the crossover. The wingers that get opportunity with Miller, Pedersen, and on PP1 are going to produce. Like, they're going to produce. And, and I think you need to keep that in perspective when – sort of evaluating this team's options, but also evaluating the players in question, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we see Connor Garland with Bluger and Dakota Joshua, a pair of guys who've never topped 30 points in a season, um, and, and the production's not there, but would it be if he was getting top six opportunity? Would it be if he was getting PP1 opportunity? Definitely. To a, to a, to a, to a Besser level, maybe not. To a Kuzmenko level last season, maybe not. But certainly to a 60-point, 65-point level. I think you have to be really conscious, given the skill level of Vancouver's top two centers, given the reliability of, of the power play when you put those top two centers with Quinn Hughes, um, the impact that that opportunity can have on boosting other people's counting stats. And, and by the way, this is, a, this is a factor, too, that the club's going to have to be mindful of managing with Philip Peronic who's been tied all year to Quinn Hughes. Yeah, it, it's it's a, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. And I think, again, it's just striking to me that we've moved so quickly to Brock Besser's permission to seek a trade, but it's not possible because of his cap, to we're staring to, you know, would it shock you if we were talking about a Brock Besser extension in August or something like that? I, I think it's a little, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but it's, it's become a realistic uh, scenario all of a sudden. He's, uh, he's been such a key part of this team. Period. He has, yeah, and, he's been really good. And yeah, it, I mean, it's worth noting, we're only 10 months removed from like the inbox heating up whenever we dared mm-hmm. suggest that, like, I remember... He's been their third best forward, we, we, right? And that's a really, that's that can sound like not that big a deal, but you look at third best forwards for successful teams, that's a really, really good player. Really he's good been player. their third best forward. I, last year on this on this radio show, I, I called him a comparable player to Andre Kuzmenko, mm-hmm. and at the time, Kuzmenko was dunking on the whole league, and, and Besser was not, very much not. And like our inbox filled up with people mad. And now, if I think if I said Andre Kuzmenko is a comparable player to Brock Besser, the opposite would happen, right? I, I think it would be the exact opposite effect. And by the way, it's still true. Yeah. Like they're both good. Um, all right. The, uh, the broadsheet portion of the whiteboard. Now, the one thing I wanted to bring up here, and it's not exactly uh, rumors because it's coming directly from the president, Jim Rutherford, but it relates to player movement and things that could happen in the future. When he was on with Donnie and Dolly earlier today, we didn't get a chance to bring this up with them, uh, but he was asked about the Ethan Bear situation. Looks like former Canuck UFA right now is going to land with Washington in any event the Canucks are out of it. And I thought it was very interesting what uh, Jim Rutherford had to say, which was basically 
admitting to a little bit of surprise and a little bit of disappointment that it didn't work out for the Canucks. You know, he even said, we thought we were front runners pretty recently in this process. We've really managed uh, communication and kept the lines open. And obviously, eventually it didn't work out. And, you know, to to Rutherford's credit, he also says, look, Bears a UFA. He has the right to choose uh, where he wants to play. But I did think it was interesting just to hear that kind of glimpse into how that process played out. And again, it I already thought this, but still think very much that just because they missed it on Bear doesn't mean they're done shopping for defensemen. That's going to be an, an ongoing process leading up to the trade. Well, and here. Rutherford's commentary really indicates that that's something he still thinks the organization needs, right? I mean, if there's disappointment that the organization couldn't ultimately be the team, you know, that got the rose from Bear in this particular version of West Kelowna Bachelor, um, you know, that that still tells you that the Canucks had their irons in the fire and yep. probably still will. Look, they need another puck-moving righty, I, th- I think, very clearly. Um, as well as Noah Juleson's play, like, you know, you're, st- you're still going to need, like, you're- right now their seventh defenseman's Mark Friedman, and when was the last time Mark Friedman played? No, it's been a while. It's been a while now, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, if Ju- if you could push Juleson into that guy, to being that guy, um, and you bring him in maybe for some matchups where you want more physicality or a, a, a penalty killing specialist because man Juleson's crushing it on the PK you know that I think that's where you that that's like an even healthier spot and and you have to start to think like that because we know this team's going to end up dressing 10 defensemen by the end of the season at least yeah and you go even you know the other thing is it bumps Friedman down to your eighth right and it just slots everyone in in a in a better role organizationally as well no other real rumors to get into on the broadsheet today lineup notes the Canucks practiced completed a whole practice during the course of our show today no surprise here having won three in a row including a couple of really impressive performances in the most recent ones no lineup changes today but two things stand out to me one Pew Suter still skating as an extra and we heard the update from Rick Tockett uh, I believe it was yesterday, either yesterday or the day before, I think it was yesterday, that he could theoretically be an option for Thursday. But I think this is another one of those things, Drancer, where the team's playing well, the team is in such a comfortable position in the standings, you have the luxury of really managing and being you know, being extra certain that a player is ready to come back from an injury. So you're winning right now, no lineup changes, he's still skating as an extra. I'd be pretty surprised if we see him against the Panthers tomorrow. Why rush him? Make sure he's, he gets as much pushing and shoving in uh, as he can, as Rick Taka would say. And then the other thing that I do think is notable, because he had a strong game uh, yesterday, is Kuzmenko still skating on that fourth line. Again, you're winning. Hey, it's a building block for him. Why change it? But I think as long as that's the situation, it, it bears monitoring and, and reporting for Andre Kuzmenko. Well, and, I mean, his minutes were up a bit, but so long still as... Still fourth-line minutes, five-on-five. Five. So long as he's playing fourth-line minutes, and he was, by the way, while he was still taking line rushes with Pedersen, it's going to be a story worth monitoring. And, and you know, not a trouble spot, but but a potential hot spot anyway. Yep, second-fewest five-on-five minutes uh, for the Canucks ahead of Niels Amon last night. So no surprise, ultimately, that he's uh, still on the fourth-line at practice today the playoff forecast Canucks up to 95 a 95 percent chance to make the playoffs Don Taylor was getting on me for putting them in the playoffs we are in real real disaster territory if they don't at this point it's it that, that was one of the funniest parts of the crossover segment which you can go listen to on YouTube um or watch on YouTube if you prefer. Or listen watch. to it. Or Just close your eyes. However you'd prefer <laughs> turn to the, consume Turn it. the laptop screen away from you. <laughs> but 
you know, it's like, uh, it's like I was like, no, and then they're like, you know, we're just saying they're a playoff team in mid-December. I'm like, that I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah, that sure. That that's actually just probability. Yeah. And then Rick comes back with tied for second. I'm like, no, point percentage. Come on. Uh, but they're up from 93 percent yesterday. <laughs> it was 88 percent before these three wins in a row. And you know that doesn't seem like a huge deal, right? That's a seven percent jump, and 88 percent is a really strong number as well. But I think of the the alternative scenario, like if they had lost these three games in a row, you're probably what down at like 75%, something like that. And all of a sudden it feels, you know, your position in the standings feels a lot more tenuous. So again, look, going from 88 to 95, it's not the biggest jump in the world. Again, they were already in such a strong position, but I think these three games have done so much to really not push it beyond all doubt, but make it so that we're talking about a real, uh, real disaster if they should miss. And I, I have a tough time. I, th leading, I think we're already seeing there. it. Uh, we're already there. No, like we're there now. That's yeah. what I mean. They've These three wins have kind of put them in that place. Just So do you remember, I think it was the first year, the Boudreaux bump, I used to do the thing where I would compare the Canucks' chances of making the playoffs to like a baseball game state win probability because you have these win probability calculators. Yeah, they're up five in so, the bottom of the ninth. No, 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 no. This is what it is because it's early in the season still. I, I Using the win prob probability calculator for baseball, they're up six in the fourth inning. Right. So you're got a really, really healthy lead. It happens. But the other thing is, like, a lot of stuff can go wrong. You know, you can give up a grand slam and still be the favorite to win. Yeah. Because you're still up. Like, I think that captures it. You like, can take multiple yeah. body blows. A, a middle reliever can come in and really stink it up, and you'll still be fine. And that's where the Canucks are. Yeah. Like, something bad can happen, and they'll still be pretty significant favorites to make the playoffs at this point. Good way of looking at it. I like it. Thank you. So, gambling odds. Actually, yep. the line is already opened on Canucks-Panthers tomorrow. Panthers narrowly favored. It's basically a pick'em. Minus one fifteen for the Panthers. Minus one oh five for the Canucks. Uh, the over under set at six and a half with steam on the under. You can get plus one oh five on the over right now. Minus one twenty five on the under. I'd bet that changes because both of these are relatively high octane offensive teams. Mm. We saw um, a pretty interesting game. I mean, I think it was only it was a four three win. Yes, it was. It was 3-3 three, three three late. And so it was pretty close, yeah. but I mean, the, the the style that both of these teams play, speed, pressure, um, can lead to a lot of mistakes. Uh, and then the Canucks are absolutely lethal against iffy goaltending, and that, that's Sergei Bobrovsky. So, <laughs> what? Yeah, it's true. That I just remember, because that game against the Panthers, it was a weird one where None of the goals the Canucks scored were like bad goals by Bobrovsky, but he made a ton of weird plays in it. Yeah. And they just didn't end up in goals. But like every play other than the goals, he looked bizarre. <laughs> it just didn't end up costing them. Yes. Um, the Canucks odds to reach the playoffs, by the way, are now at minus 650, which is a huge jump. Let's we're, go. We're, we're 650. Fine. Minus, no, but minus 650, we're getting into 90% prob yep. uh, implied probability. Jamie where vindicated. Where they've really been hanging Anoint around. Anoint them, Grancer. Anoint them. <laughs> they've really been hanging around like 83%, low 80s. Mm -hmm. And we've been talking about how there's value there's there. There's some value there. Like, today is the first day all season. Oh, like, the first day since mid well, late October, where I thought there was maybe not value on the Canucks odds to make the playoffs. Literally every day until mid-December. Um, I thought Vegas was too low on Vancouver, including before the season, because plus 140. We were talking about that being a yeah, a that's good probably value too bet. too low. Yeah. yeah, we we thought if that you was... think they're a coin flip, right? And you're you're getting them at plus 140, or, yeah. or like slightly weighted, yep. like a 53 percent, right? Like I mean, we thought 
we thought plus 140 was too low going into the year. So today's the first day in a long, long time that Vegas, uh, that you probably don't want to bet the Canucks to make the playoffs, even though lock we think it'll happen. Lock it week. <laughs> That's right. Lock it in. You need like a, uh, you need like um, some sort of handle though. Like you're not Greek. No, I I got it. This is where I have to lean into my Jimmy uh, Jimmy Dodd persona. Oh yeah, I Jimmy need to bring Dodd's. in my sunglasses. Yeah, Jimmy Dodd's lock of the week. <laughs> I like that. Uh, <laughs> the maybe I'll do that when we're on the morning show next week. I'll I'll do some Jimmy Dodd content. Fill <laughs> the morning show. Next fill week? the time. Yes, not all next week. Thursday and Friday with next Jason week. or with Mike with Drance. Oh yeah, it's Canucks talk in the morning. Keep up, Dom. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Too much on your plate, buddy. Too much. I'm too busy with that other big podcast I'm associated with. What's it called again? Yeah, the People Show. Have we heard of it? (laughs) Wow! Shots fired. Shots fired. Do you have anything else? No, not really. I mean, just (laughs) Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson are now tied twenty to one for the heart. So Quinn Hughes continues to narrow the gap there. Everything else basically remains the same, although Quinn Hughes further solidified his lead in futures betting over Kale McCarr somehow last night. I guess it was the Brock Besser highlight, maybe. Maybe that pass moved the market a little bit. He had three assists. That's how. Yeah, that's how. He had three assists. They were sick assists. Yeah, he keeps putting up points. That that was it. Anyway, those those are the updates. All right, that's the whiteboard for today. We're back at the rink tomorrow for the Canucks and the Panthers. Thanks for listening. Keep it right here. Oh, Jim Rutherford on Canuck Central with Satin Dan at four today. Make sure you tune into that here oh, on boy. Sportsnet 650.